Hey everyone, I'm Jason. I'm here with uh, the guru of church planting, Steve Pike, and a good friend, Wes Davis, also veteran church planter. So excited uh, for this conversation today as we're cracking the code of ministry in the 21st century. Steve, you wrote all about it. Just you talked about creating new habits that, that the 21st century church, if we're going to really reach people in our generation, then we're going to have to rethink and refocus some of those church habits. Yeah, absolutely, Jason. Uh, if, if people have been following this podcast on cracking the 21st century code um, of ministry in the 21st century, I'll get it right. Uh, we, we have gone through, we've talked about some other shifts, and, and this shift kind of is where the, the rubber sort of hits the road in, in the sense that this everything else we've been talking about really is expressed in sort of the habits or the patterns or the rhythms of the community, uh, the church community. So by, by habits, I'm talking about the stuff that a church does on a regular basis, that a group of people that are walking with Jesus together do on a regular basis. Every church tends to have habits. They, they get together usually on the same day of the week at the same time. And sometimes some churches, that's more often than others. And, and the observation that I make in Next Wave Discovering the 21st Century Church is that um, a lot of churches have just taken the patterns that they've always had, habits that they've always had, and just continued doing those right through everything. And that, that was actually pretty disruptive and, and kind of freaked a lot of churches out when all of a sudden they couldn't do the main thing they'd been doing, which is getting together on Sunday morning at 10 or 11 or something like that. Face-to-face, COVID disrupted that. And all of, a certain, all of a sudden, churches really had an identity crisis and their habits were disruptive and didn't know what to do. And so it, the good thing about that is it forced a lot of people to ask, wait a minute, what are we doing? Uh, why are we doing what we're doing? And, and I think that's a, that's a really important question to ask. Like, why do we get together on Sunday morning? Do we actually need to do that? Those kind of questions lead to the kind of uh, innovation and ministry uh, thoughtfulness that we need to have to be effective in, in the 21st century context. So, so the whole idea of this shift is that we, we need to be careful not to just keep doing the same thing we, things we've always been doing in the light of the fact that uh, culture has really changed in dramatic ways and we need to adjust to that. And so that's what we're going to be talking today uh, with our with our guest, Wes Davis, about. And I, I'm going to let, Jason, I'm going to let you introduce Wes. And then I have a few things I want to say about Wes. I've just gotten to know him, but you can give the, you're his, you, you're his long-term friend. I'm a relatively new friend to Wes, uh, but tell everybody a little bit about Wes. Well, I know that Wes uh, loves basketball, uh, loves his wife, uh, lo- loves the church that uh, he helped start in the Pacific Northwest, and I believe that he also loves Jesus. Now, I may have the order out of sequence. I may not. I don't know. But uh, Wes, thanks for jumping on this call with us. And uh, man, give us, give us a recap. Who is Wes Davis and, and what is a new life? Yeah. Hey, hi, everybody. Uh, thanks for having me on this uh, broadcast here with you. Uh, Steve, thank you. Uh, Jason, um, it's great to be on this. Um, yeah, um, I do love all four of those things you mentioned. Um, I would like to think Jesus is first. My wife, we uh, celebrated 28 years this year. Um, so I'd like, to think, I'd like to think that that's good too. So, and, um, and uh, yeah, some of you guys froze there a little bit. Um, did I freeze? Yeah, you did, but you're back. You're good. We, we heard you the whole time. Yeah, well, it, I'm in Seattle, and uh, we just discovered the internet. It's kind of new. <laughs> just got there. What? So, um, yeah. Um, so, um, I'm going to go ahead and uh, work on on getting on a, maybe the best Wi-Fi that I can. Yeah, sounds good. Hey, as you do that, Steve, your, your chapter nine uh, is the shift number nine about yeah. – is all about church habits. Uh, you talk about the 21st century needing to maybe move away just from gathering habits into more of those holistic discipleship yeah. habits that now we're re- now, how do we build those kind of habits into our church life and into our personal life? And I know 
Uh, Wes and I have been working on a project together. We'll talk more about that uh, in a little bit that, that does talk about that. But I know you've got some questions for him, maybe even as they started the church 20 years ago. Uh, and, and, and then, yeah, as they hit COVID, what did they have to do to make some changes? Yeah, yeah. So it's, it's funny, Jason, because I just, I've recently, I mean, I've known Wes, I've known of Wes and been around him a little bit over the years, but not uh, as closely as you've been. And the funny thing is, I wrote down some stuff that I was going to say that my observation of Wes, th- these are things that are important to him. And I, I it was the same four things. So he, I think we, we have consensus that um, what, whether the, whatever the order is, it's Jesus, family, church, and basketball are probably the, the four things that, you know, make West Davis tick. But I would also add, based on my observation of him, that I call him an ecclesiastical innovator. Huh? You like okay. that? Is that, is that um, a compliment? I, I, if, if it didn't, maybe. It, yeah. it depends on. Huh? <laughs> That's good. It sounds good. Semi-compliment. Okay. Yeah, it's a, it's a, anyway, no, it's uh, because I think what I've observed from Wes's story is that over the years, new life has definitely not gotten stuck in a rut, not because they're just trying to be trendy. Like Wes just said, they just recently got the internet in Seattle. So they're not trying to be ahead of anything. They just are trying to follow Jesus where he's leading. And it has definitely led sort of away from the idea that the the gathered group of people uh, basically w- watching the sermon uh, in, in the same room together is that that was kind of the, the, the main focus. That was the main metric that we used to measure a 20th century church. But going forward, it's going to be more the, the metric that we're going to care about is more around personal discipleship and and the group of people following Jesus together every day, not just getting get getting together one day a week and so so Wes um, I yeah. think it would really help people to why don't you talk about the startup story of new life I, and, and and start by telling us you don't capitalize it's just it's n-e-w-l-i-f-e the name of the church with no capital I mean why is that are you what's what's the purpose of that any reason or you know yeah I pr- probably at first um, we were just like hey we were capital in, and then there was a space between the W and the L. And then at some point, you know, somebody was like, you know, like, I don't know, like, how do you have something that looks distinct? And so then we thought maybe the lowercase would be good because maybe th- that N is humble, you know? And then, but then if you're like pointing that out, that's probably not that humble. So <laughs> no reason, maybe no reason. I don't know. <laughs> well, hey, so Wes, anyway. As you get ready to tell the story of how New Life uh, got started, I just want to give a shout out to everybody that's just tuning in. We're here on the Exponential Hub. We're talking about cracking the code of 21st century ministry. We're with Wes Davis, pastor, planter of New Life in Kitsap County, Washington. We're with, uh, I'm here with uh, Steve Pike, uh, nextwave.community, uh, Next Wave author, church plant guru. I'm Jason. I'm a part of the, the Next Wave community and so excited to be a part of the ArtSpeak team. Also part of the Jesus Experience team that we'll talk about at the end. Uh, So this is kind of a bunch of my worlds coming together. But Wes, 20 years ago, uh, we got a lot of church planners watching this on the Exponential platform. Talk about you transitioning from youth pastor, church planner. Why why start a church? And then you you kept the name church out of the name for a while. I'd love love to have you mention that. Yeah, sure. No, thank you. Um, well, first of all, um, best job I ever had was being a youth pastor. I'm still trying to get it back. Um, I didn't like set out to be like a church planter. Um, if you did, I don't know. There's a, there's like, that's a certain person. And I, I don't know if that's good, but um, it's just, I was having fun being a youth pastor, uh, the senior pastor at our church and the uh, leadership of that church said, Hey, um, we want to start a new church to re- reach new people. And they asked, uh, they asked my wife and I to pray about it. And so that's how our church got launched. And so um, we honestly, I don't know that I felt like Carrie or I felt like we heard like a big yes. Um, we didn't hear a no. And our, the leaders that we respected and trusted asked us to do it. So it's not that great of a story. It doesn't make a great book. Um, but I don't know. At some point, you just start doing it. And so that's, what, that's how we got launched. 
Um, probably for me, the day that hit was like kind of like the first day on the job. I got up, took a shower, got dressed, grabbed my backpack, and I started heading out the door. And I realized I had nowhere to go. Like, <laughs> like I, I didn't, I didn't have an office. I was just like, wait, where am I going to go? So I actually came back inside, um, and then sat back down and and was like, what am I going to do? Um, and kind of the thing I felt was uh, uh, go be with people. So I made a list of thirty people's names. And just spent the next week just, I don't know, connecting with them, getting with them, finding out what's going on in their life. Um, so that's kind of like how our church got started is, is uh, in this, we, we call it people becoming the church uh, because it starts with people. Jesus launched his mission and started with people. If you don't know what to do, church planter, go be with people. <laughs> that's a great place to start. That's like, that's like perfect. Yeah, I love it. That's, that's step one, go, go be with people. Yeah. Yeah, so or, good. Or, or wait in a synagogue and hope people show up. That's another strategy. Um, maybe send out some flyers. That's some good stuff. Right. And, and the other methodology that's been typically used is wait in the synagogue, but put some advertising out there that try to get people uh, to come into the synagogue to hang out with you. you know? But you actually uh, surprisingly just said, huh, go be with people. And I love the intentionality of writing down 30 names. That is so. There's something powerful about recognizing that you know the, these 30 names represent people who's who matter to God, and I'm going to be intentional about helping them connect with Jesus and follow Jesus. So now I just want to I just want to give people context because so that that's kind of a as you said it's it's not really a big spectacular beginning or anything like that. Um, you started by just writing down the names of 30 people. Now, just, just to give people context, fast forward to right now, and how many people uh, are currently being touched by, served by, um, influenced by new life? Well, yeah, I mean, so scope. Uh, yeah, scope. Yeah, so pre-COVID, pre-COVID, I mean, we were pretty close. I mean, we we're just under 4,000 people on a week weekend gathering at our different seven locations. Uh, during COVID, I just like literally don't know who goes to our church. I don't always know if my family goes. Um, I'm kind of praying for that. That was kind of my first step. When we were just online, there was a season we were just online. And um, honestly, I would make breakfast just to see if I could get all of my family to watch the broadcast. Um, <laughs> so that was a fun season. Um, you know, uh, so, I mean, I think we're just, you know, in that, that we're just like in a transition time of just going, okay, um, going back to our roots, going back to, um, like what we know to do, um, you know, and we know we're called to make disciples. We yeah. know that we're called to be connected to Jesus. He's divine. So just going back to the fundamentals and, uh, that's probably from my sports background. When, when you're getting a shooting slump, you just go back in the gym and you just, you go back to your fundamentals. And it's a three foot shot. It's a one hand, you know, you're just going back every sport, every science, every art has fundamentals. Well, I think there's fundamentals to following Jesus and go back and doing the simple things deeply, understanding them. Um, and what it does is it just, I think it reinforces the most important stuff. Cause Steve, I'll say this. One of the toughest things that we had going on was success. Mm -hmm. In whatever you call success. I mean, mm. I don't know if Jesus is calling it success. I think he does. I mean, but but when you start seeing like, hey, there's more people coming in, there's more money coming in, there's more people being baptized, there's more, there's all this stuff is so you just go, let's just keep doing more of what we're doing. And I don't know that we started with a heavy focus on a weekend gathering, but over time, you just it's it's just gravity. Gravity starts to turn the arrows in. And at some point during COVID, what happened was I was I was, I was sitting in a chair. We were getting ready to celebrate our 20th anniversary, had a big party planned, had to cancel the party. Like, I don't know if God knew about that party invitation I had out there, but I was not happy. And I was sitting in a chair, unhappy and um, going through the motions. And actually, I was praying I would just say a prayer that wasn't like honest or real. And I felt like God said to me, stop. And like, what do you really, what do you, what do you really want to say to me? And the only thing I could think of saying, and I said it with a negative tone was, okay, I'm here. And the moment I said here, I felt the spirit connect to my heart in a way that I hadn't felt in about 10 years. I mean, the words I'm here, <laughs> I think Moses said something like that. That's a good things happen out of that. 
And mm-hmm. so I think if we can just start by saying wherever we're at, God, I'm here. Like, I don't know who's watching and what you're going through, but if you just, maybe, maybe you just need to tell God, okay, <laughs> nothing else. I'm here. And I think the spirit then starts to do a new work in our lives and new, and that's good. The last 20 years. Great. We celebrate that wonderful things happen. I'm not trying to repeat the last 20 years. Right. Right. So good. So good. So good. Well, let so me, let's, hey, Steve, let me give yep. a shout out. Those that might just be logging in. Uh, we're talking to Wes Davis, pastor at new life, people becoming the church, Silverdale, Washington, uh, pre-COVID, seven campuses. You give them the high, highlights here. One of the, my favorite things about that, Wes, is that those campuses were all live taught. These were other pastors preaching. You guys collaborated. You share a lot. Steve mentioned you're a, a leader in innovation when it comes to church structure, uh, even pre-COVID. COVID hits, though. Now we're talking about refocusing the church habits, much like Steve wrote about in Shift 9. If you're just logging in and you've got some questions for either of our panelists today, then please drop them in the comments. We will get to those questions right here, live on the hub, uh, Exponential. We're so glad to have both author Steve Pike with us, Pastor Wes Davis. But uh, Steve, as as Wes is talking about the the beginning, uh, the growth, uh, now COVID and these shifts, uh, and and even just that simplicity of starting with here am I, what questions are popping up in your mind? Yeah. Well, I want to just go back. I mean, yeah, we, we're, we've sort of done a really fast fast forward up to the present and gotten a sense of where they're at now. We'll talk more about that in a minute. But I want to jump back to those early days, Wes. Yeah. Um, just to give people, again, I, I want them to see a context here. Where did you guys start as far as your habits as a church? What did a typical week look like for new life, if you can remember that? Sure. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, for us, uh, we'll... One of the things we did is uh, we would have a weekly staff meeting and there's four of us. Uh, usually I made breakfast. Um, it was one of the ways you could see I used food to try to get people together. Um, and we read a book, leadership book. And then we would discuss kind of like, what do we want to do with the church? Um, and uh, somewhere along the way, one of my friends, I was like, we just finished a really good leadership book. So, I mean, one of them that Andy Stanley probably read or wrote. And uh, said, okay, like, what do we want to do next? And my friend said, what if we read the gospel of Luke? And I was like, all right, let's like, give that a shot. It, it was the first time I've ever honestly been on a staff where we read through a whole book of the Bible together. I mean, I just, I, I thought it was crazy. And uh, that was a, a, something that started, uh, that habit would go with this. And it really set, set the culture of the church is, is um, reading the words of Jesus and really going, okay, how do we be one of the 12 disciples in our everyday life here? That is so, so that good. Of, yeah, yeah that's one of yeah. them. Well, so I just want to, you, you said something that, that really we need to make note of. You said the habits set the culture of the church. And that, yeah. that particular, that's, that's a big observation. So kind of, I mean, it probably goes both ways. The culture of the church creates well, the habits, you, but then either way. Yeah. Yeah. Well, how do you set a culture? So usually yeah. you have some practices you do, yeah. and if you do them often enough, they become habits, by yeah. the way, good or bad, right? right. Good or bad. Right. I see that in sports. <laughs> you have a bad yeah. practice that you continue to do. You have a bad habit. <laughs> All right. Yeah. But, Good too. I mean, that's how you develop good habits. And so I think what happens is if you get enough people doing the same practices and building those habits in their life, that's what sets the culture. That's really good. And so, and that, and that's really key. The observation, I love where you started there. You didn't start with, well, on Sunday morning at nine o'clock, we had Sunday school. And then we had, you started with four of us got together. And after a while you discovered, Hey, let's just read, let's just see what Jesus has to say to us together and that was transformational. We, we, you know, we didn't own a lot of stuff. It's kind of funny is one of our DNAs was being scrappy. Um, and it wasn't intentional. It was because that was our only option. Uh, we owned four music stands. We spray painted our name on them so no one would steal them. Um, that was about what we owned. Um, so um, along the way, you just, you just, you start to get more stuff. But um, if someone came out and they said, hey, want to check out your church? I would always tell them, don't come on a weekend. Um, Cause if you come on a weekend, you're going to be like, Whoa, this is, I mean, it's, 
honestly, what are you going to do? Show up and go, wow, you guys do worship. That's so crazy. Um, you know, like a lot of it's going to feel pretty similar to like a lot of, I say, come on a Tuesday when we're reading through the gospels together and you see the culture of the team. It's not what happened on the weekend. It's what happened during the week. And some of those habits slip, but at our best, I mean, I spent 10 years volunteering at the high school coaching basketball for, uh, the public high school just down the road. And, uh, we had at that time, a really strong culture that if you were on staff, you volunteered somewhere in the community where they thought that you were, uh, um, really an asset or a force of good. And still to this day, I mean, a lot of the coaches in our community, in fact, here's interesting yesterday, the public, the middle school that's just down the road had their first day of school. They wanted to launch with a field day. Usually field days at the end of the school year, they did it at the beginning. Guess who ran the field day? Our youth ministry. I I don't need you to, why would I pay you to put on a Wednesday night? Like (laughs) go be with people. And so that's uh, when we when we started to have success, quote unquote, I noticed that we started to lose the habits that were missional mm. and we started the arrows in habits, which it's just at some point you just you lose the the mission and the passion of why you were launched in the first place. So when you talk about the, the success, are you I, I'm assuming you're talking about. Uh, the number of people that are gathering together on wor- uh, for worship or what do you mean by that? Yeah, I do mean that. And, and I'm not against it. Like, you know, honestly, I mean, we've been mobile. Uh, we've rented a lot of spaces for a while. People thought we were against buildings. I'm not against buildings. My family lives in one. Uh, literally Jesus was a carpenter. So I don't think he's against buildings. Um, but um, I'm not against weekend gatherings. I mean, I actually like more people, not less. I'm not the guy that's like, let's have less people. I'm like, let's have more. I like bigger parties, not smaller. Um, so, but I mean, uh, you know, there is a measurement that says, Hey, you made outreach 100. I mean, you know, like there, there's some measurements in this world and I don't, I don't think they're bad. Um, but when we start to make those, our goals, I just, I think it leads you to a bad place. Um, yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, you you so you talked about. I mean, so so far I've gotten out of the earliest days. I've gotten two really uh, great habits that 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 you talked about. One being that you guys read the scripture together. The other being that it was normal. It, there was an expectation that people who were leaders in the church were involved someplace in the community. So that's another habit because you know I don't know how often you there if there wasn't a certain expectation. But here's just just to, again quickly give people a picture. Like go through the week, Sunday morning, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, like take each day and think about like what was happening at New Life in the earliest days. And then we're going to just jump to now and say, what, do, what, where are we at now? And then maybe unpack a little bit how we got there. Okay. So if you, if you showed up on Monday and you're like, what are you guys doing on Mondays? Um, you would probably see people at a Starbucks and drinking coffee. I just think that's something that we should all do. Um, a lot. Um, we would be kind of honestly talking about what happened last week and where we feel like we're heading this next week. You would notice me with like a notepad. Um, I just, the way I operate just because it's just, I honestly just start making a list of like, who are the people I'm going to meet with this week? Who are, you know, what are the things I thought I was going to do? I didn't do, I need to get to who are the, what are the teams that I'm leading that? So I mean, I honestly, I, I tended to operate off of, and, and when I made my list, Steve, one of the things I would do is the first thing on my list would be something I've already done. I needed some momentum. <laughs> <laughs> and so uh, I would make my list. And so the team members would pretty much make their list. Here's the stuff I'm going after. Here's the stuff I'm doing. Kind of share that with each other. Usually what happened because we were at Starbucks is people would bump into us. We weren't the only ones going to Starbucks, which was kind of cool. And, um, so, um, we, um, we would bump into people, have conversations and those conversations usually ended up with, they introduce you to somebody that they're with, Oh, Hey, here, I'm with so-and-so. Do you know them? I don't know them. Yeah. I work with them or, you know, we, 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 we coach together or whatever it is. So that Monday, Monday morning, really from that morning to about noon would basically be kind of prepping for a week, being together as a team. And, and meeting kind of that people at that Starbucks. The afternoons would be starting, you just like, honestly, you're working your list. Uh, yeah. Tuesdays, 
Tuesdays would be our together Tuesday day. And so, um, but kind of like high capacity volunteers, people like anybody that is on staff, but also functions in ways that we like, we don't pay you, but I think God does and we'll find out, but I think you're staff. And so that's, we would have our time where we read through the gospels. We'd worship together. We'd pray for the, you know, people thought prayer cards, we'd be praying over the different prayer needs for the week. And the prayer cards actually would give you actions as well. So like, honestly, um, I, I think I'm getting some beeps on my computer because I haven't figured out how to turn it off yet. But, um, but those beeps, I hope you hear them because honestly, the last two were prayer requests. And so the prayer requests give me things to not just pray for, but actually move on. If there's someone just to just like send a card to, um, stop by, see how they're doing. Um, you know, maybe it's not me, maybe it's a team member. You grow to a certain size where if you have, I mean, you get what I'm saying, but it's, it's at the end of the day, we're in the business of, of people. And so if we're not seeing people, meeting with people, praying with people, discipling people, I don't know, like, what are we doing? (laughs) So Tuesday was, was together day. What about Wednesday? (laughs) Okay. So when Wednesday, Wednesday's youth. And so one of, okay. I mean, I'm a youth pastor still. I mean, I want, at least I want to be, we actually have a youth pastor. He's better than me. That's why I don't have that job. Um, which really stinks. I really want, um, you know, if you, I think this, Whoever wins the hearts of the kids and the students in your community wins. That's, I mean, honestly, literally, uh, whoever wins the heart of kids and the hearts of students. So uh, when you're, you know, when you're not sure what to do, go be with people. Here's another one. Invest in kids, invest in students. And you can do that all week. Um, and so, uh, for us, Wednesday nights was our youth gathering. And so, um, usually what was happening on Wednesdays is, is, uh, people were actually making sure that we're in the lives of students. Uh, we're in the lives of, 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 uh, you know, and our youth ministry was probably something that probably led to a lot of the growth in the church because they had family members. And when students' lives were being changed, their families would show up. It would be like, I don't know, like, I didn't really like, like, you know, like, I love my kid, but I haven't liked them this last year. And now I do. So like, what'd you do to them? <laughs> they're like, they're like nice at home. I'm not sure. Like they're actually doing, they're respecting me. They're doing the stuff that they're supposed to do. Like what happened to my kid? And we were just like, I think it's Jesus. Maybe you should like, maybe, maybe it'll happen to you too. Um, so that would be a Wednesday. Um, Thursday for me would be, honestly, that's a day where for me, I, I would be making sure my message is ready for Sunday. Uh, mm-hmm. I would not go to bed on Thursday night and my, my message not be ready. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I just, now some people want to work a couple of weeks ahead. I, I always plan out. So think of it this way is I think in terms of for the year, I want to have an idea of what I'm going to do. So I would put out over a year where I feel the spirit's leading us. Then I would have by quarter, what is a sermon series? that I'm going to study. And then like each week I have a, basically a one sheet uh, that I work off of a map. That's just like, so, so Thursdays I'm making sure that I'm staying on that. So Friday's day off, I'm golfing. Uh, my wife teaches third grade um, at the elementary. And so uh, she's not home. I'm doing laundry. I'm responsible for the laundry. Uh, so I really hope I get the laundry done and 18 holes in. That's a hard thing to do to get both. Uh, golfing's a great way to meet, people as well. Um, guys, like, how do you get a guy to talk for three hours? Golf. Um, and so, um, and then usually, you know, for me, um, uh, usually if it's basketball season in the afternoons, I have practice, Mm -hmm. uh, games would, would be Tuesdays and Fridays. Uh, but Friday would be, uh, right now I'm back in school. And so I, I, I'm doing schoolwork Saturdays is, is our family day. You know, you're, you know, um, if your wife is, or your husband, I don't know if, who's listening to this, but if your spouse, if you're married, if you're married, if your spouse isn't happy, um, and you're in ministry, you got a problem. Um, so if your kids feel like they don't have you ever, um, so I always try to have what's one thing like last night I went disc golfing with my daughter that she's like, for some reason is into disc golfing right now. And so that's what we did. So having some regular things that you do with your family, I think makes a big difference. Um, and then the, our weekend, our, our, we had, sometimes we, we've had seasons where we had Saturday night gathering. It's not my favorite because I'll start thinking about it about one o'clock, which is gets into the family time. 
but Sundays, I mean, we, at one time, you know, we are, our, our most locations we had was eight. Uh, but right now we're honestly, uh, we're operating with five right now in COVID. Um, we, we, at one point I was preaching six times on a Sunday. I don't recommend that. Um, at four, you start, you stop forgetting what you said, which kind of people show up just to see what's going <laughs> to, how goofy you are. So um, try to have speaking teams, try to have other people speak. You don't have every gift. Um, let other people do stuff. So that, that's, that's been our week. Okay. That's so good. I want to, I want to just uh, welcome anyone as we go through these habits of uh, church planter, pastor, Wes Davis, uh, new life, people becoming the church, Silverdale, Washington, fantastic story of growth. I think we're about to head into now, now that COVID hits, what are some of those rethought going back to the roots and those habits? But if you're just watching, you want to ask any questions, church planners, ask some questions of some veteran church planners on, on what are the habits, personal habits. You heard a lot of a blend there of here's my personal habits. Here's my leadership habits. Here's some corporate habits. Uh, here's ones that bore fruit in the community, some community outreach, missional habits. Uh, if you have questions about habits, uh, for yourself or for your ministry, drop those in the comments and we will get to those as we progress, especially now, maybe you have some questions about how do I, how do I do that now, now that there's some limitations on gatherings and limitations on where I can connect. Uh, Steve, you wrote about this chapter nine. Uh, and I just want to also give a shout out to those that are watching here on the exponential hub. We've got Steve's chapter nine. If you don't want, if you have about the whole book, I highly recommend it. You can buy it on the website, but you can also download this chapter as a PDF today for free. Uh, we'll have the link there. It's uh, New Life, uh, New Next Wave. Sorry, I'll get my, my. Oh, by the way, I think that's yeah. awesome, Steve. Welcome to the team. Yeah. Welcome to the, I just, I just, I just got you hired there. Next Wave community slash download dash shift dash nine. Uh, Steve, fantastic stuff. Great question. Give me the week. We just heard a fantastic week in the life of a scaling church planter that was very, very personal, very, very missional. Yeah. Yeah. This is so, so good. So much stuff here. I, so Wes, where, where I want us to go right now is, um, the, we, you, you've talked about that, that, original it sounds like basically what i'm hearing is um you you have generally stayed faithful to some of those original um things that drove that that were important in the first place but you mentioned earlier on you said something about when you hit success it sort of pulled you away from some of those missional habits and um so talk to us about like and, and you even referenced a moment during COVID where you kind of realized, whoa, you know, I, I need to get back to some of the basic stuff. So um, just talk about how that ha has uh, transpired for you over the years. Cause again, you've from, from many ways of measuring success, you guys have been extraordinarily successful. Um, the, uh, the, the, the context you're serving in the Northwest part of the United States, especially Washington, Northwest part of Washington, is notoriously a challenging place for the church to be effective. But you guys have found you've been effective there. So, and, and you've got, you know, quote unquote, big numbers, you know, you mentioned 4,000, uh, probably not exactly sure where, where you're at right now because of the COVID disruption, as far as the scale or scope of influence, but you've got, you know, you're, you're called, you're, you're doing what's called a mega church, but in the middle of all that, um, what are what are some things that have helped you stay oriented to True North? And what is True North for you guys? Like, how do you guys decide, man, we're getting it right, and we need to give our energy to this? What is informing how you how you are being the church? How are you doing church now in this current day? Talk to us about that. Sure, sure. Um. Yeah. Well, a couple of things I noticed was, uh, um, you know, I started, well, by the way, I, I think that God prepares you for what he's doing. And I used to think when I would hear something from the spirit, what at least I thought to be God's voice, I was like, wow, he just spoke to me. It's super personal. I can't believe that. 
Um, I should probably tell the world what he just shared with me. And then when you meet somebody else that also loves Jesus, sometimes they say the same thing. And then you're like, wait, is he talking to more than just me? And I think it's that whole to him or to her, to them who have ears to hear, let them hear what the spirit is saying. And so um, I think Jesus is speaking to his church. And it's so I, I was hearing, I was hearing that new wineskins. I was hearing that I'm the vine, you're the branches, remain in me and I'll remain in you and you'll bear much fruit. And at some point in that passage, John 15, Jesus is saying, my father's the gardener. There's going to be some chopping off of some branches and some cutting back. Um, you know, we started with uh, 14, it was seven couples. That's what we started with, seven couples and um, pretty homogenous, honestly. And, um, you know, everyone was like basically 28 with two kids. Um, we, we, we started to di- become more diverse over the years. Um, I think that we are pushing the diversity in our community. Um, but, you know, like I said, when you, when, when you grow to a certain size, sometimes if you're not careful, um, you ride that momentum and you lose your habits. And so you're too busy to be involved in the community. You know, every story was from like five years ago. Um, and when you're leading that and that's your story, eventually that'll be the story of your team in your church. So I just like, I gotta go back to the fundamentals. I gotta go back to the simple things. And so, um, you know, um, one of the simple things for me was, um, a daily time, a daily reading, a daily time with God. And, uh, that's something that, you know, you have your, maybe your Bible app and you maybe have a streak going, um, I found, I just found myself sometimes doing it to make sure I did it as opposed to, man, early on when you have nothing, you're just so desperate. You're just like, God, I don't know how this, you know, that you just feel so close. Um, so going back to that feeling of making sure. So I just, I was surprised that during COVID, so many of the people in our church knew how to give, knew how to serve, knew how to invite. They didn't know how to connect with Jesus when they didn't have weekend gatherings. And that exposed uh, a lack of our discipleship and apprenticeship. So we said, we want to go back to that. We actually spent time developing something that we're calling the Jesus experience, Jesus XP, and just helping everybody feel like they're one of the 12 disciples. They're connecting with Jesus in their everyday life. They're part of a group of people um, that are all following Jesus together and involved in each other's lives. Um, One of the things that I saw in my wife um, she, she had a great year last year. She's not as emotional as I am. She was just like, um, she did fine. <laughs> she did fine. Uh, one of the things I saw her do was she, she told me that her word, word of the year. I don't, I don't know if you guys do word of the year. It's a little bit like a Christian fortune cookie, which I love fortune cookies. And, um, she, she, she said that she thought her word of the year might be impulse, and when she said that to me as her husband, I got real excited. And then she was like, not about you. Um, she said, you know, like sometimes you get this thought that you should maybe reach out to somebody, do something, reach, you know, like you think of somebody or a need they have or a hurt they're going through or some. And she's like, I have these thoughts and a lot of times I just don't act on them. And I find that when you don't, they just go away. And she said, what if for one year I acted on those impulses? Well, I actually think when Jesus said, you'll receive power to be my witnesses, the Holy Spirit has given us missional impulses. I think our friend Alan Hirsch calls it the uh, MDNA, right? Mm-hmm. And so I watched her do this. Uh, at one point, on it was Valentine's Day. And she said to me, hey, I said to her, I said, what do you want to do in Valentine's Day? Because I, I, I've just learned that it's good to get input. And she said, what? What if she goes, one of my friends is separated from a, from her husband because of something he did that he knows is wrong, but there's still consequences and they're working on it. She said, what if we brought Valentine's day to her? I just don't want her to feel alone and unloved today. And I was like, well, I was thinking that too, but I meant in addition to that. And so um, we actually, I mean, we swung by, we got the roses, we got, you know, the chocolates, we got the, you know, Valentine's card, we got that, all that stuff, drove her to that, that her friend's house and she knocked on the door and she like just said, Hey, I wanted you to know that you, you, you're, um, we love you. You're not alone. Um, and I want to make sure that you knew that today. And I, I, I remember looking, I was in the car. And I could see the, the face of the, her friend and she was crying and, and 
And I was like, I think that's like, is that what the church is known for? Is that like people go, that's what Christians do. Um, I know that I, like my wife was discipling me on what it means to follow the leading of the spirit. And so we've just kind of come back to as one of our practices. Um, we're actually, uh, Steve, we're going to spend a year in the book of Acts. I'm going to get everybody reading it. I want them to read it every day. We're going to preach on it on the weekends. I want their groups talking about it because I want to get us back to that connecting to Jesus and then being led by the spirit and those mm-hmm. missional impulses that, that God leads us to. I, Cause like those, those just open the door to so many wonderful things. Wow. So good. So good. And I know, uh, Wes, I've had the privilege. It was over a year ago now. Uh, but shortly after all the shutdowns hit where you took not only this desire, uh, to experience it there in your church, but then, pulled me in and others in different parts of the country to say, Hey, how can we give this kind of Jesus experience framework away? How how can we help others uh, mobilize these kinds of personal and corporate missional and spiritual internal external habits? How can we get more people doing that? And that's that, that, so now we've done that and, and we're at the beginning stages of it still, uh, getting ready to launch, uh, January of 2022. But even today, the Jesus experience, the framework that you talked about, Mark, Luke, and John, uh, Matthew is done. Acts is done. But right now, Matt, uh, Mark, Luke, and John are available for download, uh, a framework, uh, at the Jesus uh, that'll put you on an email list because uh, there's, and what we'll do is follow up with you. I'll be following up with you on uh, training. Uh, we want to build community around this. Uh, we've got, uh, we've got about a dozen churches right now throughout the country that are going to get ready to, to launch these groups. And it's just, it's simple. You're just calling people to be one of the 12, sit around that campfire uh, with the other disciples and, uh, and talk about the words of Jesus and what it might motivate our lives to go and do and be. Hey, I, I love that, Jason. And, and just a couple of thoughts, because, uh, you know, um, yeah, I said a couple of things earlier. I want to circle back to. Is that OK? Yeah. Um, yeah. We've got a couple of questions. Maybe you're going to hit them. You probably see them there. Yeah. Uh, okay. Please do, because I think I do think they go back to that. Uh, you know, and I, and I love, and one of the questions is about how can you really win the heart of kids and youth? And I know something that others may not know when Steve talked about that ecclesiastical innovation, you organized your campuses really around the school districts, around the needs of the community. Talk about that. Well, you know, so, so one of the things that uh, I think about, first of all, is um, the easiest thing is this is there's needs, there's huge needs. And there's like the largest volunteer workforce in the world is the church. And like, we are networked. Like literally, I think every problem in your community is going to be best solved by people who love Jesus working together because they don't need to pay us. Um, um, So getting volunteers. So like, for example, my wife teaches third grade and third grade is the year that you go from learning to read to reading to learn. So when you fall behind in reading in third grade, you fall behind in everything. So that's why they do the national test for third grade. That's the national standard is that's the reading test. And when we as a nation start to fall behind, the solution from government has been this more tests, more standards, more accountability on teachers. Well, I I know that it feels like more pressure is going to equal more results, but I don't don't work in sports. Guess what? It doesn't work in school. And so my wife was at home and she was just kind of complaining about it. And I tried to, you know, correct her on my, she, she was just taught. She's frustrated. She's frustrated. And I asked her, I said, what, what do you think the answer is? And she said, the way that kids get better at reading is by reading. And then I'm like, well, you're the teacher. Why don't you just have them do it? She goes, there's just one of me. And that's where I had the thought of what if we sent some of our best volunteers and pastors to go in and listen to kids read. So we uh, sent in one of our staff members that is good with people and really encouraging. And he listened to four kids read for a year. All the kids were below reading level because they baseline them when they come in and then they're going to test them on the way out. And at the end of listening to kids read and encouraging them for one year, what do you think happened? Well, the kids were up above projection 76%. 
I took that data and I went and sat down with the superintendent of schools, friend of mine. He likes basketball. I like basketball. That's how we built a friendship. You're, by the way, whatever your passions and your, 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 what you like to do, like God's wired those into you and you will build friendships with people in the community that know, know God if you get involved in those areas. And so they just have a shared passion. So, so we're sitting down. I said, hey, guess what? I did a little experiment in one of your classrooms. He goes, I bet you did. I go, do you want to hear the results? And so I shared that his, he had four kids in one of his schools that went up 76% because we had one of our pastors go and listen to four kids read. And I said, how many kids do you want us to do this with? And he said, you can have all of them. Every kid below reading level. So I went to the church. It was the best, easiest announcement I've ever made. Um, I said, if you sign up, you have to do it for a year. You can't quit on these kids. You got to do it for a year. You're going to go in once a week and listen to kids read. And what's going to happen is this. It's not just that time. What happens is they get encouraged and they go home thinking they're readers. And now all of a sudden, okay. So what I'm trying to say is it doesn't have to be reading. But I mean, we've been doing this now for seven years. Um, you know, um, I go in and listen to four kids read. Um, the, the, what this does though is this kind of thinking. Just, just, we just found out two days ago, there's no middle school track or cross country coach at one of our schools. Well, I, we've got people that love Jesus and love students and can run. <laughs> <laughs> and so you think about it, you got a youth pastor and they're trying to get kids to come to youth. But like, if you would go, I'm telling you track cross, cross country, there's so many kids. It's just like, now I will say this, when we did our orientation to listen to kids read, I had one person in our church say, Hey, but when are we going to tell the kids about Jesus? And one of my pastors leaned over and said, I'm not going to place him. <laughs> Because he's not safe yet. <laughs> listen, listen, we're, we're going to go and be Jesus, okay? <laughs> all right? Because we're going to help kids read. And what happens is I found this. We had so many people come to our church, and I never invited them. Because why? They think you care. They think they, they talk about you when you're not there. And they talk about where you came from and what you're doing. And you become known as a force of good. Je- people were talking about Jesus all the time when he wasn't there. There was so much buzz. Think about the buzz we try to create. We spend money to get buzz. And it's like, all you have to do is go meet needs. So anyways, um, that, that would be one of the ways to win the hearts of kids and students. Uh, just like honestly solve problems, meet needs in your community by really activating the volunteers in the team you have and, uh, and, 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 and let people do what they're already passionate and they're good about. Yeah, Wes, I, I, I remember being on, I was on staff as a youth pastor way back in the day, uh, you know, back in the, back in the times of the dinosaurs and, uh, the, uh, the pressure I felt every week because we had this staff meeting and I had to report how many kids showed up for the youth service the week before as going around the table. That was our metric for like how successful. So the pressure was on to get those kids to come to the youth service because that was the number everybody cared about. I'm just curious, like when you get together with the people that are that are serving, um, th- that are leading the youth stuff, you, you know, how do you guys gauge how you're doing? Well, I mean, I, I do think, you know, honestly, I mean, it, it would be disingenuous to say that we don't look at stats at all. Um, you know, uh, so there, I mean, you, when you do sports, you look at stats, but you don't win games because somebody scored 25 points. So you recognize there are stats. Hey, here's how many kids showed up to this. Like when we do camp, we just, we know how many kids went. I know what the offering is. It's not like I'm, you know. Uh, uh, so we do have like metrics that we would look at, but, um, to me, the number one is, this is what are the stories that people are telling? So we always start with stories. If you have stats and not stories, I'm, oh gosh. Um, so we always start with stories and then, um, you have to have the difference between lead and lag measures. And so most of the data that pastors want are lag measures that you can't change. Like they, like you step on a scale, you weigh 220, you can't make it 215. I mean, you can take your shirt off, but what I'm just saying is like, you can't make it 215, but I can count my steps. We need more stuff in our church where it's measuring things that people can make a difference with, you know, go meet with 30 people. Um, you know, 
So, I mean, honestly, the, the counting missional conversations it will make a bigger difference. And the results just will show up whenever. This is the hardest thing I was going to tell you guys about this is the hardest thing. Uh, so I found is this is when we started to have what, whatever the world calls success. And, and I think even what, what, what Jesus would call, I don't think he was like disappointed with us. Um, but um, what can happen with more people is less apprenticeship because uh, there's a certain level you need to have to be able to be on a stage with a number of people, whether it's worship or music, you know, or speaking. And um, we had to go back to our roots and get back to apprenticing. So, so, so honestly, COVID, we found ourselves um, in, in person, we, 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 were, we were down about half. Um, giving was down last year, 19%. Uh, you know, now we cut expenses, but you know, I mean, those are, that's, those are stats. Uh, but one of the things that we were able to do is this is more apprenticeship. Now, the tough thing about apprenticeship is it takes time. So you don't apprentice. And then next month you see results. You don't literally Jesus took three years. If you do better than him, good luck. But if you will apprentice, you will have long-term kingdom impact. I'm telling you. And so we've gone back to that. Um, and in fact, one of the things we're doing right now is, and I hope it works, we're going to find out, is we hired five people to be what we're calling student life directors um, on middle schools. So they are the pastor to that middle school. That's their school. Go to those games, volunteer, meet the kids, meet their friends, meet their parents, go to their recitals, go to their plays. Uh, be, if the school needs volunteers, get it going. And so that's your school, own it. Now, we always teach people, play by the rules. Every public school has rules, play by it. If you don't play by it, you get kicked out. I mean, don't, you know, I grew up in a public school, so I just, it's normal for me, but some people don't get it. You're just like, come on. If you will do that, you have massive favor and you get, oh. <laughs> so, so what we're doing right now, Steve, is we are training these middle school student life directors the same way you would train a church planter. And I think the payoff for us is going to be seven to 10 years later. Mm. So that's wow. a long, I mean, like I get, it's not gonna, like next, we'll have great stuff happen, but you, you're not going to like, it's not, we're launching a campus next month. <laughs> yeah. Look, I want to get to go, go ahead. Jake. Well, I was about to ask maybe one of the, these other questions and I, I, I you're talking about it right now. And I think the answer is not going to be what any of us want to hear, but uh, I just let you say it really painfully clear. When you're talking about apprenticeship, you're talking about working habits into a culture, your culture, those you lead. You said something a minute ago. You said, as a leader, if that's not your story, it won't be their story. Mm -hmm. uh, so now it's getting personal, right? Now, now you're stepping on toes. Like I've got to work first these habits into my life. And then how long was the question? What kind of expectation of time does it take? Uh, and to get those influential, relational, missional habits into the lives of others. I, 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 I think it's okay to set three years. And, um, and, and what happens is you stop, stop thinking about the destination. Just enjoy the journey. And I mean, that's where the story's going. Enjoy the journey. Enjoy the development. I mean, for me, because I coach basketball, um, you, you know, you don't just go, um, I'm only going to enjoy it if we win state. Um, the struggle is part of the enjoyment, the ups and the downs, learning how to win together, lose together, respond, learning how a team comes together and fights for each other and, and makes up for each other's weaknesses. And man, that's so enjoyable. Um, like I would actually say, if you don't enjoy ministry, the people you're ministering to, they're not enjoying you. I mean, like, come on, there's such a joy. I don't say it's easy. There's a struggle, but there's such a joy. I can't believe I get to do what I get to do. I mean, honestly, I just, like, I just I tell our people, I, I, I feel like God didn't put me in our people's lives to disciple them in a lot of ways. Um, our church has discipled me hmm. and I just, a gratitude to just be able to do what I do. And I get not everyone has that situation. And sometimes, you know, you don't get to create culture. You're coming into a culture. But um, I just know this. My pastor taught me. He was there 40 years. So if you do something for 40 years, that's pretty good, right? And he said, the things you appreciate tend to get better. And the things you depreciate tend to get worse. Mm -hmm. And so I, I just like, 
I had to start, man, if your marriage is struggling, what's, what do you appreciate about your spouse? If your kids are struggling, what do you appreciate about them? Um, telling a player that they aren't doing good and you don't like coaching them. You know, so Brad Stevens was asked this. He goes, Brad Stevens, coach, I know everyone here loves basketball. It's what we do in heaven forever, right? Enter here. get good at it. Yeah, that's a basketball court. The, um, the, Brad Stevens was asked, what would you do if you had a player that was like being selfish and not responding to your leadership? He said, I would go and rebound for them in practice. And I just think if you have a person or staff member that you're struggling with, or you just be mad about them, or maybe it's a, maybe it's a child that you're working with. It's okay. Go rebound with them, go do something that they like to do and serve them and see what happens. Cause when you serve them, it, it's, a, it's a kingdom counterculture, but Jesus knew something about washing feet was a way to get to people's hearts. Mm. So good. So good. Steve? There's so much here. We could, we could talk forever, uh, Wes. It's been so powerful to just tap into some of the things that you're learning and you've done and, and the way you live. And again, my takeaway is it, it, it seems like there's this undercurrent, this theme, and it really starts with what we just, what you just talked about is like, you've got to, you've got to lead, you've got to do it. And it, and it even starts more organically with just being a person who gets with Jesus every day personally. I mean, it's like, we, we know this, but you've actually given us some handholds, like some practical things like this, this idea of just reading the scripture together. How, how simple is that? And how startling it is that you realize I've never done that with a, a group of people and how that's transformational. So uh, it sounds like that is one of the, there, there's these underlying habits that aren't necessarily seen publicly, but it's something you've successfully done to get um, help people uh, in call, you make that part of their lives. So last, maybe just the last thing before Jason uh, lands his plane here, just kind of talk about how do you help everybody? You've got, you know, whatever, 4,000, 5,000, 3,000, whatever the number is, a bunch of people that you guys are influencing. Yeah. yeah. How, how do you, how do you help that, that, that way of living be activated in each individual person's? What are you guys doing to help that happen on the personal level? Well, you know, uh, one of the, the, the things, I mean, obviously the, the first thing I look at is hardest person to lead is myself. <laughs> that's the hardest, like, honestly, if I can lead myself, I mean, honestly, like that's, that's a big one. So I'm just go going back to that. And when I go back to, okay, personal habits or what I call the fundamentals, Starting with this is like, God loves me. I mean, that, it, like every morning, starting with this, I'm the beloved. <laughs> I mean, that will change my day. I'll minister totally different. Um, then, so then secondly is my family. My family's got to come before the church. Uh, my church can get a new pastor easy. Uh, my family, it's harder to just replace me as their dad. Okay. So we just started family dinner. It's, it's Sundays at four. We've been doing it for about two years now. We used to do it, got all the habit. We went back to it. Okay. So um, our family gets together. We eat together. It turns out free food helps. Um, we play games. I've been like really teaching my kids how to lose in Uno. Spicy Uno is a, a thing. You should like Google it. Um, so, and, um, so those are basic things. There's like, so, so I don't want to try to lead a church and I haven't led myself or led my family well. Um, my wife and I, uh, we try to every night hold hands and pray, go on walks together. Um, we fight less when we walk because um, you're just a little out of breath. Um, and, and so if, if, we, if, if we can start with just get the basic stuff, yourself, your, your family, okay? Then I go like this, okay? Uh, with our church, if you can focus on who, who's your 20%. So don't think about how to get the whole church, honestly. Just get 20% of the church and that 20 will get everybody else. And so whatever that number is, is like, hey, we launched, we got 100 people, we have 50 people. What's whatever 20% is, circle that number. And if you just get that number, that's enough. So good, Wes. Thank you. And two resources for everyone listening here on the Exponential Hub. 
uh, we've got some of those practices and a framework. It is a framework that Wes and his team uh, have had the privilege of being a part of that for the last 18 months. Uh, the Jesus Experience at thejesusxp.com. It is a discipleship framework, but here's the here's the cool thing. The, the curriculum is the Gospels. It yeah. is just simple framework with some of these habits, some of these practices and encouraging them. We have some training that we're going to be rolling out. You can download the framework today for free. It's on there, the jesusxp.com. That's for you. Also, nextwave.community. If you want to lean into conversations like this with Steve and leaders of churches and uh, church planters and be a part of another church plant community, nextwave.com dot community. Uh, you can go there, please lean in. There's, there's lots of downloads, lots of conversations, other conversations with pastor Wes and his team members, uh, that are on that, uh, on that platform already. Thank you so much for everybody who has been a part of cracking the code in the tw- for 21st century ministry. I'm Jason, uh, here with Wes. Thank you so much, Steve. Thank you so much. We'll see you next time.